know that they're a gift from God, but you know the uniqueness they have and um, the you know the the gifts they have, it's beyond comparable of what can use them. Um, some of them are still shy, but they're still, they're trying to come out of their nest and you know and trying to be bold. Um, there's a couple of us, they didn't want to stand up, of them, they didn't want to stand up because you might laugh at them. <laughs> but, you know, it's always um, nice to hear things from, from, from children. And um, they are very disciplined. And um, we are so grateful, I believe, you know, for my teachers, for the teachers that are doing children's ministry. They are really blessed with having these children. Uh, last uh, couple of Sundays, my daughter was saying, Mom, I love kids' church. And I promised them that I'll buy them some goodies. So I hope she's got their goodies today. And, um, you know, it's just seeing the children listen from somebody else. And it, sometimes we're, we come here and, you know, we go places and we say, oh, the kids, what am I going to do about it? You know, I just want to encourage you, bring them to church. You know, it's a great uh, place. It's a safe environment for, um, for your children to be. Um, they might have their own little attitudes. They're kids. We need to understand that. But the gift that God has in their lives, we must realize it's greater than what we think. It's not um, limited, but this is a time that we need to train them. Okay, this is a time that we need to nurture them, to lead them to the path that God wants them uh, to be. Because these are future leaders, like I've said before. These are your future leaders. And us as a church, this is our responsibility to, um, to give to our children. Not only here, do not, do not just rely over here, but also back home. And you know what? They are the lights in the schools. If you're looking for, uh, for who's going to do the work in the school, who's going to do the work in the community, it's the children. Okay? Most of the time, families come to Christ because of their children. They see the difference in their children. They see the, the changes they have. And um, today, I just want to talk. Um, just want to talk about Philippians chapter two. If you've got your Bible with me, uh, with you, sorry. <laughs> Philippians chapter two. Now we're going to our message. <laughs> Philippians chapter two, verses five to eleven. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who being in very, in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to be in the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What I want to talk to us this morning is about what Jesus wants. What Jesus wants for you. What Jesus wants for all of us. Jesus wants humble service. Jesus wants humble service. You know, I champion all my teachers in kids' church. I mean, they're not my teachers. They're God's. 
they got some hands. Why? Because they serve your, they serve this church, they serve this body, they serve our children with all their heart. And they're so humbled. And I am very privileged to work with these, with these lovely ladies and young men. Philippians chapter 2 talks about what Jesus wants for us. He wants a humble service from all of us. There are two levels on which we can understand this passage. First, we see the powerful doctrinal truth. It gives us a remarkable insight into the nature and work of Jesus Christ. It tells us of his equality with God, of his co-existent humanity, how he is 100% God and how he is 100% man also. It tells us of his obedience to the will of the Father and how he died on the cross. But it also tells us of his ultimate exaltation, how every knee will bow and how every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the first part. Second part of this, um, of this chapter, it's just as important, is the context in the message which we see that the scripture in context with the surrounding scriptures. We must see it within the context of the book as a whole and the overall arguments Paul is making to the church in Philippi. Paul is writing to them to instruct to them on how they are to live. And this is very practical for us. Not only for them, but also for us. It is not about the theology surrounding Jesus, but it is a passage from a letter to a church. It's a letter to a church. It's a letter to us this morning. Giving them Jesus as their example. It tells them that by following his examples, we can successfully, they can successfully live the Christian life. It says forth Jesus, who was and is God. As the supreme example, it is he who are who we are to follow. It is his actions we are to emulate. This is the practical message of the text. In verse 5 to 11 shows us that it is to be done by describing a servant from the example of Jesus. Jesus has set this example for us to follow. It is consistent with your new nature in Christ. You cannot allow Christ to live through you and not be a servant. You cannot allow Christ to live through you and cannot be a servant. Remember, Jesus was the servant. He came to serve. He wasn't supposed to be. He was the master. He was up on the throne. But because he chose us, that's why if we have Christ, we must have the spirit of a servant. Only through servanthood can you be obedient to God's call on your life. Before we can understand what verses 6 to 11 have to say, we have to read the instructions given to us in verse 5. Verse 5, it reads, Your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Verse 5 sets the stage for verses 6 to 11. It sets the tone. It gives insight into and makes the application clear. Verse 5 tells us to do what Jesus did, to think what he thought, to have the same attitude towards servanthood, that he had. 
verses 6 to 11 also says, it spells out not only was that attitude, but how it was lived in his life. He showed the attitude, but he also showed us how to live it. Remember, an attitude remains an abstract and intangible until it is physically expressed. It is an unknown until it is exercised in actions. So, I might not know what your attitude is, but it's by the fruits. It's by your actions. It's by what you see of a person that you will know, okay. Sometimes we just judge the book by its cover, but we don't really see the deep meaning of what that person has, what the attitude that Christ has put into his life, even with these children. We had to look inside. We had to seek the pure they have that God has placed inside their heart. Amen? Attitude should always determine actions because actions always demonstrate to a true attitudes. What you are is what you will do. Praise the Lord. Verse 5, coming off the hills of verses 1 and 4, tells us that we are to be servants, just as Jesus was a servant. How was he a servant? How was Jesus a servant? Look at verse 6. Who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on the cross. So we say, I can't have the same ministry as Jesus. Come on, why not? Why not? We might say he was God, I'm not. We might say that he lived on the throne, I didn't. We have to, we have to be a servant to see that. And we had to have a servant's heart to see that and to go past of all the things that, that we think, oh, because he's like that, I can't do it. Come on. God has placed your own gift inside of you. God has also placed something that is nobody has. The Prime Minister of Donald Trump might have a lot of money I don't have. I don't care. But what I have is I have Jesus Christ in my life. I have Jesus Christ and I want to serve him. That's what I want. You might be the Prime Minister of Australia. You might be the Mayor of Griffith. Don't worry about them. Worry about yourself. Ask God, God, what do you have inside? What do you have for me? What can I give? Jesus, he was on the throne. But he left that. He left it just because he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. That's why he left his throne. We might say that we don't have the same attitude as Jesus. Don't worry about Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. He said, I will go and I will send the Holy Spirit and he will be your guide. So why we worry? We are walking with Christ. 
Wherever you go, you're walking with the Lord. Amen. There are five things that I want to talk to us this morning. It might sound long. You might say, oh, that's a lot. <laughs> it's not. Okay, one thing, first thing that I want to say is being a servant means giving up my rights for others. Being a servant means giving up my rights for others. We look in verse 6. Christ always has been. He is, and he will always be God. But the original language here says that Christ was of the very same nature as God, that he was in fact God. The truth is the foundation of the church. Jesus was in fact God. Peter testified then when Jesus asked him, Peter, who do you think I am? What did Peter say? Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the Son of God. Peter declared that to the Lord. Although he was manifested as a human, he continued to, di um, to display his attributes and the att attributes of deity. Jesus lived as 100% man and 100% God. He fought the same temptations, the same struggles we fight because we are in the flesh. Yet because of his divine nature, he was able to overcome them. And to live out his divine nature in the flesh. And what Paul is saying in, is that because we have Jesus living in us, we too, although living in the flesh, can demonstrate, demonstrate the divine nature. Okay? We can do that. We can do that. We have Jesus living in us. We too, although living in the flesh, can demonstrate the divine nature. Jesus living in us. and it enables us to live out the divine nature. Jesus living in us enables us to overcome the fleshly desires, to overcome the temptations to, to, to live the rest of the world, to overcome the desires to live for self rather than for living uh, for others. You know, God has given, God is that. He is living in you. He gave, he is, we are overcomers. Because God has overcome all these things. Jesus Christ has overcame all these things. But not because he can do it and we can't do it. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, yes, we can do it. We have the power of Christ. Paul wants to make it very clear that Jesus was and is God. Not just a prophet, not just a teacher, not just a healer. But he was and is God. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh. And took up residence among us. We observed his glory. The glory of the one and only son of God. From the father full of grace and truth. It is extremely important that we understand what Paul is talking to us this morning. Jesus is in fact God in the flesh. And he is God. Being a servant means giving up my rights for others. Jesus didn't hold on to his rights. He didn't hold on to his right as God. He was not looking out for himself but for others. He suffered his rights for you and me. He gave up his privileges in order to come as a man and suffer a death that we deserved, not him. But he left all those things. 
Although Jesus had access to all the privilege and power to which his father gave him, which he was entitled to, and although he could have exploited that privilege and power to dominate his creation, but no, he chose us. He chose his creation. I will go and I will suffer for my creation. Jesus considered his deity as opportunity for service to his father. Service to his father and he was being obedient. Instead of using all he had given, he had been given, he used it to further the kingdom of his father. He used it for others, for those who had nothing. He used it for us. All of the authority and power available to him, he became a channel for us. He gave it for us. He gave it to us to use it. His focus was not on being served, but upon serving others. Not upon exalting himself, but of emptying himself in obedience to his Father. And we should have that light. We might say that we don't have anything to give. We have plenty to give. You have plenty to give. Whether you have to give it to somebody, whether to a church, whether to a community, whether to an organization, whether to your neighbor. But we all have something to give to each other. Jesus gave his life for you. What are we willing? What are we offering ourselves for? What are we to give? If you and I are ever going to be servants, if we are going to have the same attitude as Christ, we are going to have to keep up, to give up our rights, give up our privileges in defense to others. This is what Jesus did. And if we will follow him, this is what we must do. Servanthood means giving up my rights for others. And I want to bring that to our moms. Just a little bit. Our moms give us a lot. They give their time. They give their life. They give every opportunity, every privileges they have. They give it for their family. They give it for their children. They give it for their family, their church family, to whoever they belong to. Sometimes we don't realize it, but I'm telling you, moms, you are doing it. Sometimes we don't take credit for it, but you know what? We don't have to worry because Christ will reward all those things. It's not for us to, to, you know, to, um, to keep it to ourselves, but it's something that we have to give. Amen? How are we going? Are we awake? Oh, come on. <laughs> All right. Second point. Being a servant means becoming less so others can become more. All right. Can I have, what's the first point that I say? What is about servant? Being a servant is? Come on. Giving up your rights. Well done, Pastor Ronnie, you're listening. Well done. <laughs> okay. Second point is being a servant means becoming less so others can become more. Let's look at verse 7. Verse 7, it reads, But made himself nothing, 
taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. I'll read that again. But made himself nothing. This is Jesus. He, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Jesus emptied himself. He poured himself out. He made himself nothing. He emptied himself of significance. How did he do it? By taking on the form of a slave, the very nature of a servant. That's how he did it. Christ came as a servant, not as the Lord. Even though he was and is the Lord, he gave himself for others. Even though all of creation should give to him, he was God living out a truly human life. Jesus became a servant. He willingly left the splendor of heaven for the smell of a stable, for the smell of this filthy earth. He created good. He made it good. But we destroyed it. He left the company of angels. He left it for us. He who was omnipresent took upon himself the limitations of humanity. He was everywhere. God had the privilege. Jesus had the, had everything. But because of his servant heart, he left everything just for you and for me. What a dramatic distance Jesus traveled from heaven to the cross, from robes to rags, from being served to serving. How far it indeed from the golden streets of heaven to the earth. That's the old streets of Bethlehem, of Jerusalem, wherever he went. He was singing, glory to his father. He had everything. He came to the Christ and to the bitterness of his people. That's what he did. He was exalted. Jesus was exalted. But when he came here, we spat on him. We crucified him. We whipped him. Not only those Jews, not only the, the soldiers did it, but also us. In the things that we do, that is not right before God, this is us punishing our Lord. This is what we're doing to him. But why did he do it? Why did he leave all those splendors to come here for you? Why did he come for us? He did it to be obedient to his father. Yes, he did it because of love, because of love for you and me. If my father said, you go and die for, the, for this world, <laughs> really? That is not my cup. But Jesus took it upon himself. And it's an example for us to follow. If Jesus did it, he said, I have suffered everything. I have suffered uh, I have suffered everything. The mocking. He suffered. But we have to suffer also. But you know what? There's always an end reward. Amen. It's always an end reward. This is at the heart of what it means to follow Christ. 
It means to lose our life to save it. It means to be emptied of self in order to be able to be filled with him and his passion for others. As you can remember, we've been through the, you know, the grace of God. And last week we had a great, you know, testimony that was given to us. Why? Because they emptied themselves, you know, for the kingdom of God, for the call of God on their lives. And the encouragement that we had from Pastor Rodney, from Pastor Jamie, and all the pastors that we have in the church encouraging us. You know, there's a greater community out there. We have to empty ourselves. We have to be teachable for the things of God, for the kingdom of God. That's grace. That is grace. Do we have grace in our heart to live this? Are we going to be a servant? Are we going to, you know, think of us less and think of those people out there more than who we are? That's your own answer to our um, question to answer. Our fallen nature is not interested in being emptied, but in being filled. This is our human nature. We just like to be filled. We don't want to be emptied. We are more interested in becoming something or someone than in becoming nothing and no one. It runs contrary to our fallen sinful nature to become less so others can become more. And yet, if we are going to be like Jesus, we must become servants, allowing others to become more at our expense. Do you think that's a fair statement? Who can do that? Raise your hands up. Why not? We can all do it. Don't be, don't be afraid. We can all do it. It's a learning curve. There's always room for learning. You know, we don't make, we, we're not perfect. We don't get it right straight away. It takes years. It takes days, weeks. But don't give in to it. Take heart. Take courage. Jesus is with you. Third point. Servant means being obedient, whatever the cost. Ooh, that might sound <laughs> not nice. <laughs> Servanthood means being obedient, whatever the cost. Verse 8, he humbled himself. It is impossible for us to grasp the depth of this statement, to understand the intensity of what God is telling us here. He who made all men, who knew the hearts of all men, who had all authority over men, humbled himself and allowed himself to be executed by men. But not just any execution. This was the cost. Being obedient. So whatever the cost, Jesus did that. The cross in the early church is not how we view it today. They viewed it as we might give view the gallows. It was not simply a form of ex execution. It was the lowest form of execution. Jesus did that. Jesus went through that. It was reserved for the lowest class of people, for those who had no standing or rights. The lowest class of people. But Jesus went through that. That shows us how his servant had, you know, he, what he has given. 
being obedient no matter what the cost was. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 verse 11, Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. In the word Paul shared with the Philippians, crucifixion was the lowest anyone could have. But Jesus took it for us. That, that's how humble he was. Death often came slowly when they put people on the cross. They would bleed for days. They would be getting, they would be eaten by birds. They suffocate on the cross. That's how bad it was. But you can see how it came as no surprise that the message of God on the cross was stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 23 says, If this we begin to understand the depth of humility to which Jesus sunk in order to be obedient to the will of the Father. But Jesus was obedient. Obedient to even death on the cross. So he took that. It is on the cross that the true nature of God is revealed. God is love. He came to give himself for us. To die for us. To die at our hands. Because that's what it took. That's what it took to redeem us from sin. To buy us back from the condemnation we brought upon ourselves. Jesus took it all. There is nothing he will ever ask of us that will, that will cost us as much as going to the cross cost him. Jesus didn't ask for that. We can never give up as much as he gave up. We can never humble ourselves as much as he humbled himself. But we must, however, be willing to do whatever he asks. Whenever he asks, wherever he asks, we must be open to what God wants us to do. For many of us, we have already predestined our lives. I think we already got a, got a planner for our week. What are we going to do during the week? Okay, Tuesday, I might be seeing somebody. You know, in this life, in this society, we plan things ahead. Then when it comes to our God, we try and slot it in. But you know what? We have to be obedient to God. We have to be open to him. Whatever the cost. With Jesus, it is either all or nothing at all. That is with our Lord Jesus Christ. Whether we give all ourselves or we don't give anything at all. And the last point, servanthood will be rewarded. You will be exalted. You will be rewarded for what you have done. Now I just want to encourage us. You know, that we have um, streams in our church. We have the youth stream. We have kids ministry. We have... Um, pastoral care, 
There's a lot of things in our church that is happening. If you're not involved into anything, I just want to open this time, you know, to, to invite you. If you want to, you know, have, um, if you have a heart for children, come and see me. Um, if you have a heart for youth, see Pastor Jamie, Hannah, or the leaders of the um, youth. If you have um, a heart for, for women's, see Mrs. Cabrales for ushering. We have a lot of things to do in our church. We are different bodies, but we can do what God has given to us. And use it, and I, and I encourage you, use whatever gift that has been given to you. Because Jesus was obedient. He was humbled himself. He was willing to pay the price. He was um, exalted. He will be exalted, and the same goes for us. But God's reward, God's reward is everlasting. Being a servant is more about being than it is about doing. Okay, this is the last point that I want to bring to us. Being a servant is more about being than it is about doing. Be a servant. This is all I want to encourage you. Be a servant of God. Be a servant to where you are, where God has located you, whether at your workplace, whether in on the streets. Be a servant. Have a heart of a servant and serve the Lord with all your heart. Because the reward you will get, people might not recognize what you are doing, but God does. And in due time, he will reward you. This is not the only life that we are living. We have an afterlife. When we pass this place, God is waiting for us, and God is waiting for your reward. You might not have a gift of somebody. You might not have a gift of, um, of hospitality or whatever gift it is. Ask God. Ask God to show you what he wants you to do. Be a, dis uh, be a, a disciple. Be a learner. Be a servant. Because God will lift you up. He said, follow me, make fishes of men, and I will lift you up. Being a servant means giving up my rights for others. Being a servant means becoming less so others can become more. Servanthood means being obedient whatever the cost. Servanthood will be rewarded. Being a servant is more about being than it is about doing. Are you here to serve? Or are you here to be served? Is your attitude like the world's? Or is it like Jesus? Are you going through the motions of service? Or are you becoming a servant? The example has been set. The call is clear. All that remains today is your response. It's your decision. It's your commitment. Will you be like Jesus today or not? If God is talking, if the Spirit is talking to you this morning, I just, just want to make this time open. If you want to respond to the call of God in your life, and you, you think, I can't do this. I can't do it. It's too hard for me. I just want to encourage you. There is nothing that your God cannot do for you. He can do everything 
Whatever you ask in my name, I will help you. I will give it to you. But we must have a heart of a servant. So I believe um, all our ministry leaders and all our coordinators will be seeing some people that will put their hands up and, and say, you know what? I want to serve with you. I want to serve in ministry. We are family. We are many branches, and God is our, God is our Father. And for all the children, if you want to be part of the children, why not? Put your hand up. Come and see me. It is very rewarding, I'm telling you. I've seen it and I've experienced, you know, the, I know how am I going to say it. But it's just amazing. <laughs> it's something that is beyond what you'll expect. Today I just want to open this time and um, I'm going to ask all my children, all our children to come to the front here. I'm just going to open to the church. If you need, if God is speaking to you, you want prayer from Nat, Natalia, can I just have the key for that? Just going to open this time. If um, somebody needs prayer for anything or you want healing or God is speaking to you, you want to be encouraged, um, you want to get prayed for, the floor will be open for, for ministry time. We're just going to have, um, and the children will come and, and pray for you. Okay, this is the other things that we learn in there. Not only adults can lay hands, not only adults can pray, we can also pray. Amen. <laughs> and it's great. So let's just give this time to the Lord. And I want to invite you, if you need prayer, just come to the front. Hallelujah.